Hey, 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 asymmetry. What's up? How are you guys doing? We had the chance to sit down with the Jedi Lime, curator Lee Tafe, and assistant curator Samuel Thompson while we were in Canberra on our recent excursion to Australia, and a fascinating conversation with these two about the National Collection, its origination, uh, the move to the new facility, and just all of the ins and outs of the National Collection and the work that these two are doing to bring this collection up to a world-class level. I have nothing but respect for these two gentlemen and all the efforts that the Australian community is putting behind supporting this collection, but also the support that the National Collection is offering to the Australian bonsai community, collaborations with professionals, continuing to stimulate and evolve the art of bonsai in the country of Australia. I think it is a, an amazing demonstration of what a national collection can do to really bring about the rise of bonsai in a country that's evolving and escalating its level at a dramatic pace. Anyways, I hope you enjoy. It was really thoroughly enjoyable to get to sit down and talk with Lee and Samuel and um, nothing but goodness coming from these guys and all their efforts and the entire Australian bonsai community having the national collections back and seeing that community rise as a result of that positivity. Enjoy. <laughs> oh man, are you super, are you super thrash, Sam? I would, Lee, Lee and I, do I look, Am I all right? Do I no, look you don't right? look bad. Oh, I was sweet. Just asking. Lee, Lee and, yeah, and I, I were mean, talking. I, he said he was crushed. Yeah, I'm pretty crushed. Yeah. It's been a great event, though. Like, it's good to now. sit down. Yeah, yeah. I bet. So, do you guys do events? I mean, like, uh, what brought about this particular weekend of bonsai for the Australian National Collection? Why did you choose to do this? Um. So, we've. We've uh, evolved enormously in in the last six years, five or six years, uh, since I I took over the the uh, curatorship of the MBPCA. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, we were simply a display of bonsai. Uh, I had aspirations to g- increase our our profile internationally, um, but also aspirations to share as much bonsai with the Australian uh, bonsai community as possible. Mm. So I thought, uh, how about we create an event to give back to the bonsai community for all that they've done for us, um, but also to be able to raise our profile at the same time. Yeah. And uh, at that time we thought, well, let's, let's do a little event over a week invite people from all over Australia to come and do workshops and just share in bonsai. Mm. So we got Pavel Slovak from the Czech Republic to come along and uh, do a week of bonsai activities that were all uh, free or um, semi-funded by the Bonsai Trust Fund, mm-hmm. which is donations that we received to the MBPCA. Right. And... Um, yeah, in a, in an effort to give back, but also try and get international artists involved that have a big digital footprint. Yeah, that we could actually get a bit of purchase off as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting, and uh, I mean, when you do an event like this, <clears throat> and you say give back, are are you largely supported by? people that are contributing time and resources to the collection or is your volunteer core a a really major part of it? Like what does that give back? What are you getting from the community? 
So the the National Bonsai and Penjing Collection of Australia as an entity is a partnership between the ACT government and the Australian bonsai community. Mm. So the Australian bonsai community bring to the party uh, volunteers, of course, um, and at this point in time we have around about 60 volunteers. Okay. Uh, their contribution is a, approximately... 130 hours per week, which is a significant contribution. I, in real terms, for a, a full-time job, it's equivalent to three full-time staff. Um, so, uh, yeah, we 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 really couldn't operate without them. Um, they also, as a bonsai community, provide the bonsai and penjing for the collection, either by way of loan or donation. Uh, the loan trees stay with us for periods of up to two, uh, around about two years. Mm. And uh, at which point we would take them back and exchange them for something new. So we're ultimately displaying a, a, a you know, a vibrant and dynamic collection that's always changing. Well, and <clears throat> when, when this whole national collection, now there was a collection prior to the current facility where the trees exist now, correct? Yeah, that's right. It was same uh, the the same entity, but mm-hmm. just in a different facility, a much smaller one. Okay, we had around about three, uh, sorry, thirty bonsai on display. Um, where we are at the moment, we have a, around about seventy on display, but in total, one hundred and twenty. So a few in the back of house as gotcha. well. And and you came into well, how did you get started doing bonsai? Uh, took up bonsai. As a hobby, as a kid, uh-huh. um, I had a, a cacti collection. Uh, Mum was uh, heavily involved in gardening and nurtured me as a as a youngster, I guess, in in loving things that that grow. And uh, I guess it was an extension of that when I saw the movie Karate Kid. There you go. Um, like many other people my age, <laughs> <laughs> you saw that as an inspiration and thought, well, you know, I'll give that a crack as well. And my mum took me along to to a bonsai nursery, and I was just blown away. Never seen anything like it. How old were you then? How old were you when you found bonsai? Fifteen. Fifteen. Where did you grow up in Australia? Here in Canberra. Oh, okay. You're born and raised here. Yeah. However, I've lived in a number of other states as well, including okay. uh, Northern Territory, WA, Queensland. What's your favorite? Canberra. Wow. Wow. Love it. Strong. Strong Canberra loyalty <laughs> <Me> there. <too. laughs> what about you, Sam? How'd you get into this whole assistant curatorship gig? Where'd that come about? The assistant curatorship gig. Uh, so I was studying education and I had six weeks left of my prac <laughs> to finish. Um, basically, I had gotten in touch with, with Lee um, via, via Facebook. I'd seen what he was doing and just wanted to have a chat with him um, and, and, and meet him in, in Brisbane. And we just, we really did click. Um, and then after that, I wanted to drive down to Canberra because I had actually never been and visited the National Collection mm. um, and met with Lee, um, got on like a house on fire. And as soon as I found out that there was an assistant um, curatorship coming aboard, I wanted to jump onto that nice. um, and take the leap and, and give it a crack. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came back from Japan after studying with 
Kobayashi. Well, hang uh, on just a sec. Uh, hang on just yeah. a sec. So when did you, when did bonsai become a part of your life? Were you doing oh, bonsai when you were? Oh yeah, I was 15, 16 as well. Okay. Yeah. I'm not really from a gardening background. I used to do like the Warhammer models, like the little Lord of the oh, Rings yeah, models. Oh, yeah. awesome. I used to paint yeah. them. Um, and yeah. yeah, but I was so pedantic and like used to w put them in competitions, like painting competitions. Wow. I used to build, um, like Minas Tirith and Helm's Deep from scratch out of balsa wood. So I loved everything to scale. Mm. Um, and then when I saw bonsai, I was like just mesmerized by the scale. Of miniaturization, yeah, of, miniaturization it, yeah. of things. Yeah. yeah. So that, and I only just thought about it the other day. Oh, that's why. That might be why bonsai kind of clicked for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and so you went to university, studied education. I studied biomedical science okay. um, before that. And yeah, halfway through my degree, I took some time off to go and live in Japan. Yeah. Got it. So yeah. you went and lived <clears throat> in Japan to study bonsai? Yeah. Yeah. I, I needed you, you found it when you were 15. Yeah. You're, you're in school and then you go to university and yeah. then you're like i i'm gonna take a little time needed to take some time got you i was pulling my hair out with this degree um and i needed to take a break mm -hmm. i needed to find an outlet a creative outlet to express myself because biomedical science is it's very rigid and structured and yeah um i felt like i was hindering my creativity um so by taking a break um, I'd always wanted to go and study for J in Japan, um, not not for as long as as you did, but just for a short time at least. Yeah. Um, just to have that experience, so just just a feeling of yeah, living life like a like a deshi over there. Yeah. How, how did you get hooked up with Mr. Kobayashi? Um, so originally, um, going back to to high school, um, I used to take a day off a week to study under Carol Waller, who's um, a well-known artist in Queensland. Mm -hmm. um, and I did like a school-based traineeship with her, um, learning everything bonsai. Um, she wrote me a recommendation to send to Mr. Kobayashi. Um, but I had just been flipping through all of, all of the bonsai todays, bonsai Europe's, and I, it was either Kimura or Kobayashi yeah. on the front cover. And I was like... I. I need to. I need to go over. I need to go and learn from these guys. Cool. Yeah. So, how long were you there for? Uh, it was about just over three months. Mm -hmm. It's hard with the um, with the visas, right? There. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then yeah. you came back, finished mm -hmm. school, finished university. Yeah. He. Yeah. Mr. Kobayashi said, you know, "Go and finish your degree." Um, you know, bonsai life is. It's hard. Just finish. He he was saying, go and be a doctor. Be mm. a doctor. Be a teacher. You know, live life. Live live a comfortable. You know, still happy, stable life. But he said, if if you can do bonsai full time, go for it. Mm. Um, I think just the that exposure to working on the caliber of trees that he had over there um, made me want to push push myself further in Australia, but to work, I wanted to work on similar trees yeah. back, back at home. And I felt like the only way that I could do that was, was probably working at the collection. Yep. Yeah. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. And, 
And so you go down and meet with Lee when you hear that there's an assistant curatorship. You guys get along really well. But, I mean, when I was here in 2013, they announced that you were going to be the curator of the mm -hmm. collection. And, and um, what was that like? Like, did you, put your, did you put your name in the hat to be the curator or, or were you chosen? Like, how did that work for the National Collection in Australia to, to find a new curator? And what led you to, to become that, want to do that, et cetera? Yeah, I was, um, I was appointed the assistant curator in 2010. Okay. Um, at that point in time, Grant Bowie... Uh, a significant artist here in Australia was taking care of the collection um, pretty much by himself with, with a small band of volunteers back when it was in Commonwealth Park, mm -hmm. uh, the, the smaller facility. And he just felt that um, he, he wasn't able to keep up with, you know, both the administration and the maintenance of the collection. Yeah. Um, so I came along to, to help him as the assistant curator. He was always intent on getting the collection to the point where it was going to move to its new premises because that was always the 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 intent of the collection. Mm. Um, the 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 interim facility was um, simply because the bonsai community were ready to have their collection before the National Arboretum in Canberra had the facility available. So people were like, "Hey, where are those trees at?" That's and you guys right. were like, okay, we'll do something for the time being. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it really is. So it really is like a collaboration between the government and the community because that's a lot yeah. of power to tell yeah. the government, hey, we, we need to see mm. our trees, please. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so we took over in Commonwealth Park, we took over a, a – um, it was actually the, the caretaker's cottage, the caretaker of Commonwealth Park. Mm the gardens there uh, and they, they kind of refurbed the, the uh, facility to, to accommodate a bonsai collection. Interesting. Um, so we, we were in, in the middle of this park in the middle of nowhere and uh, hardly any people knew about us. So we had plenty of time to maintain the collection and build it up and get all of our, you know, procedures and, and uh -huh. uh, policies in line. And it was actually really good to set the foundations for where we are now. Yeah, because you, you would be scrambling to not have all of that stuff in place with the kind of attention and workload that you guys have now, I would imagine. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the collection grew exponentially in its new facility. Um, and at, at, you know, at one point in time we had, I think it was about 135 bonsai. Yeah. Um, not long after only maintaining 30. So, and, 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 you know, talking about ex exponential growth, our visitation in Commonwealth Park, you know, on a, on a good day, 20 people would come through the collection. Uh, now at the National Arboretum in Canberra, we, we could have days over a thousand people. You know, we're getting 165,000 people a, a year coming through the collection viewing the bonsai. It's enormous. Gives me anxiety. <laughs> right. We've Gives got good so volunteers. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Wow. It gives yeah. some of our volunteers anxiety as well. Yes. Um, the security of the collection is important, and we never wanted to put cages around the bonsai. So um, to, to a certain extent, it's an art gallery that 
people can walk right up to. Yeah. And, you know, to a lot of people, the first instinct is to see, see if it's real and touch it. Tactile, mm-hmm. tactile desire, right? I mean, it's, and it's so, it's, it's hard to not be tempted. Like you can't blame them. Absolutely. So when, when it was moving and I'm sorry, Mike Bowie, Grant Bowie, Grant Bowie, um, when it was moving, Grant didn't want to continue the curatorship or that was a temporary thing. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I kind of got off on a, a tangent there. Yeah. So Grant's intent was always to get it up to, to the facility. And then he, he was always more on the maintenance side mm-hmm. um, of bonsai. He just just wanted to, to do bonsai. Uh, my education background um, allowed me to, I guess, fall more into the administration side of it. What, what um, does that mean? What's your education in? I've got an IT degree in okay. business. All right. Um, so, uh, you know, not um, not afraid of jumping into paperwork and writing reports and briefs and minutes and, you know, all of those things, Um, you know, writing policy and getting that side of the the business up and running. Mm -hmm. Um, Sadly, as we've moved forward, it seems that I now have moved more and more away from actually getting my hands on on the bonsai. Um, I still oversee the maintenance schedule and everything that gets done by either Sam or volunteers, um, but I don't actually get a lot of time to do it myself. Right. And and before before you started working as the assistant curator to Grant, were you you had said that you actually had your own bonsai business? Yeah, that's right. I had a, a commercial operation for thirteen years. Wow. Um, it, uh, it it was fairly busy. I probably. Uh, sold a couple of thousand uh, or created and sold a couple of thousand bonsai a year. Wow. Um, so it was, a, a, it was a busy little operation for a sole proprietor. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, is there is there that much? Because one of the things that continues to strike me about Australian bonsai is there is a lot of public engagement with bonsai in Australia. I mean, it's, it, it, I, would, I would say if comparatively speaking in the United States, there is not nearly as much Per capita, really? per capita yeah, public no. engagement as you yeah. guys have in Australia, and and to see the number of uh, somebody told me about uh, Bonsai World, the business in some somewhere Bonsai World uh, near Newcastle is that yeah. the one? Yeah, maybe I don't know, and I don't know anything about it. They said they have something like sixty thousand trees that they're growing at Bonsai World, and this this radically fast paced business. I have no clue what that business is like, but just thinking about a Bonsai business of that scale doesn't exist in the United States. Something like that doesn't exist. And how did Australia go from, or I mean, or, or what does the journey look like to, to, you know, be really finding this identity, but so many people already having a, a niche to start a commercial bonsai business like you did or like this, this other operation. And, th- and th- that's one of many operations in Australia that are of that nature. And to be able to support that economy, that means that the public, not necessarily hardcore dedicated bonsai people, I'm assuming that community is not enough to support these commercial bonsai businesses. That means that the public is heavily involved. Yeah, it's interesting um, to, to try and reflect on that. Um, I, I, I certainly, you know, found it quite quite easy building my business up from, from scratch here in Canberra. Um, we 
we have um, a fairly small population, uh, and I, I certainly think that you know two two operations of the same size that I had probably struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found there was a little bit of a niche in um, in the education side of it, right? And uh, I, I I don't have any statistics available, but I understand that uh, people in Canberra have a yearning to learn. Um, so a large, large part of my business was built around students, uh, uh, you know, selling education to them, uh, selling the product that goes along with that education, mm-hmm. um, you know, new pots, new tools, uh, books and magazines and, you know, stock trees to, to get them started. Yeah. So I focused heavily on that and it was, you know, to a large extent at least 50% of the business. Hmm. Do you think Australians in general are geared towards horticultural endeavors or art forms or activities that coincide with the outdoors or the environment? Does that feel like a part of Australian culture? Um, I, as I mentioned before, growing up with a mum who was heavily into gardening, mm-hmm. um, I don't know whether it was the fact that I was brought up around those circles, but, uh, I, it seems to me that a large percentage of the Australian population are, are very house proud and they'll put a lot of time and effort into their house and their garden and, um, you know, that type of endeavor. Hmm. Fascinating. So when you became the assistant curator, did your commercial operation kind of, did that, did that change your focus of your efforts and energy? Um, interesting point because, uh, at the time that I became the assistant curator, I also became a father. Uh-huh. Wow. So the two of them together <laughs> <laughs> made a lot of changes to my life. Yeah. Uh, I went from a seven-day-a-week operation that was was open 364 days a year um, to uh, fatherhood. So I I moved my uh, commercial nursery from from a commercial premises to my backyard, right? So that I could be a decent father and bring my children up and spend time with them uh, instead of seeing them uh, one day a year at Christmas. Yeah, right, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And it, in doing that, I obviously lost a lot of my passing trade. Yeah. Um. So I had to think a little bit more outside the square. Mm-hmm. Um. I did continue the focus on the education, but a, another part of the business I built up was uh, bonsai hire. And I used to hire to uh, cafes, restaurants, um, government offices, law, law firms. Uh, we had uh, chiropractors. Um, so wherever you could place a vase of flowers, I was placing a bonsai. Hmm. Um, and it was a great little business that it, it uh, just took two days of my time per week uh, I ran my uh, classes and and commercial stuff on the weekend and that freed me up for three days a week that uh, slotted very nicely into the assistant curator role wow 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 the grind man <laughs> it was the grind that's impressive so so when when they were trying to find a permanent curator for the collection and its move. Did they ask you, they say, Lee, are you interested in this? 
Um, being a government position, it was uh, advertised Australia-wide. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes, I was uh, encouraged to, to apply for that. Gotcha. Um, I, I, I certainly had the support of uh, Grant Bowie. Yeah. Um, uh, I was a little bit nervous about it. Um, I guess at that stage I didn't have a, a much of a profile in Australia. A lot of people uh, within the, the wider bonsai community may not have heard uh, about me before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a little bit nervous about that and Grant encouraged me to, to apply mm. saying, you know, you've obviously got the skills of refining trees and clearly have the skills from the administration side of the role and uh, ended up winning it. So, <clears throat> And did you know prior to the banquet at the event in 2013 that you were going to be receiving the job or was like everybody there wondering what was going to happen? It was about a week prior that 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 I knew, but it was uh, being uh, being announced at that at that convention. Wow! Yeah, wow! I remember that whole lead up to that. I mean, I had no clue who was who in Australia, but no no idea what was going on. And there was just so much. You know, I was like a fly on the wall for this big happening in Australian bones. The new curator is going to be announced, public, the national collection moves, a facility. And it was just this whole massive uh, thing. And it was it was so fascinating to watch and really interesting to get to see the national collection sort of in its conception launching in that new facility. And the facility had just like a sparkle to it. I mean, it was like. It was like buffed and clean brand and brand new. <laughs> I mean, it was like, did we get, did we get the plastic off all the benches? You know, like is everything? Uh, it, I mean, it was really, really stunning to see it. And the other amazing thing, the the single most um, lasting impression that I had of that entire event was seeing the. Um, the gum tree that uh, that is part of the collection that's right now behind glass. It's what what do they call that? Al- alga Angophora? Angophora. That, Sydney apple gum. Yeah. yeah, I mean that tree. Like everywhere that I go in the world, obviously there are trees that stand out. You know, you like you remember whether it's it's like a like or a, 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 an attraction or just like being really uh, being really stricken by the presence of a tree. And that tree, for me, you know, in my juvenile perception of Australian bones, that's Australian bonsai to me, that tree. Absolutely. It's, mm-hmm. it's iconic in our collection. Ugh. In any collection, in anywhere in the world that that tree sits in, it's going to be a very strong statement piece. It could live anywhere in the world mm. for the caliber of the tree. Those trees are rare. Those trees are rare in any collection that could exist anywhere in the world and be respected as a wonderful representation of the art form. But that that one, and getting to see it again this time, uh, it was even more impressive because I was I wanted I wanted to see it. I was like looking forward to having a reunion with that tree. Yeah. So How it did good. it look when you first came to Australia? Yeah, I mean, I I don't have any pictures of it. I'm the okay. worst person in the world for like documenting things, which is why I, I have a team that Gotta you know I <laughs> ideally I have a team that ideally yeah. does that, so I don't have to worry about it. But um, uh, I don't have any images of it. I just have okay. a picture in my mind of it, mm-hmm. and I remember it looking like what I thought a eucalyptus looked like in the grander scale. 
And then seeing it this time, I was like, God, it's even bigger than I remembered it, which makes me so happy because that that power of that visual mass yeah. is impressive. It's an impressive uh, tree. It kind of overwhelms you with its uh, all of the character. Yeah. And it and and the trunk looks like velvet to me. It's just that so real soft matte. The way it diffuses the light, yeah. the bark of that particular uh, eucalyptus. It's um, and when you water it, it goes. Like dark and then orange. This the dark colors orange, of the bark yeah, come out. Really? Orange, yeah. yeah. Change it? Yeah, completely yeah. changes. Tomorrow, look. can I? Can you we, can we just like you, spray it? Because you might you not be watering. It. I know it's, it might be water sensitive, but just like just to wet I'll the let trunk. We'll give you a spray yeah. bottle tomorrow. It's evolved. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to recall <laughs> how it would look when when you first. It was narrower. Sorry. It was narrower. The it, width of the silhouette absolutely. was narrower and it was a little taller. So more elongated and it had that verticality to the design. That felt very, I think, iconic and, and representative of eucalyptus. It's a little wider from what I remember now. Yeah, it's definitely wider. Um, and in its early days within the collection, and I could be going back into Commonwealth Park again, yeah. um, the, uh, the foliage uh, was, the branching was segmented mm -hmm. in that old-fashioned kind of, bonsai way where you have a pad of foliage you know stepping up the tree yeah I, yeah because i remember seeing it in 2013 and i was like well it's not like a pine style bonsai but also it has some you could see it was like it yeah. was a eucalyptus being adapted as a bonsai form yes in the way that i think you're describing that's, yeah that's and exactly it, right so like the trade-off for the the wider silhouette is it does have a much richer more organic branching form and structure to it now absolutely which i think is amazing and um yeah it's a pleasure but so you that that whole thing happened in 2013 and then you're you're the the curator of this collection and sam when did you come on uh literally two it's been two years two years two years now almost to the we, to the day isn't it i think so, <laughs> so yeah so 2017 then 2017 august Late and, August. And was yeah. it just you up until 2017 or have, have other assistant curators come and gone? We've had a couple of contractors. Okay. Um, I had a short-term contractor uh, who was on for, I think, around six months. And then we had another one that was around about three years. Okay. And, um, and when, when you guys discussed the collection, what is... What is the motivation of the collection? Because as I've, as I've been here this trip in particular, the the first time that I came in 2013, the discussion was around the the launching of it, the the you know the announcement of you as the curator, and and just the presence of this national collection being moved to the new location. The conversation that seems to be very prevalent this time is, what what does it look like to what does it look like to maintain trees or, uh, you know, is that realistic advancing trees and aesthetics and, and sort of that, that bigger, greater question of curatorship. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm curious, like what, what that looks like for you guys. Yeah. Well, we're very young in terms of, you know, a national collection We're we're, we're just a little over 10 years old and the intent from the beginning was to, represent the art of bonsai and penjing as it is in Australia. So 
we don't actually have trees that are imported for the purpose of display at the collection. Mm. These are all trees that are grown by Australian artists. Yeah. Um, one thing that we are now ta- trying to tackle as we get older is the direction that the trees are moving mm. as, the, as they're evolving, as they're growing, as we're man- maintaining them. Um, so, uh, you know, one thing we need to be mindful of is to be respectful of the original artist in the way that we maintain and take the tree forward. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a whole challenge in itself. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's difficult to, to try and first, in the first instance, envision what the intent of the artist is as a tree would move forward, mm-hmm. uh, but also to be able to uh, maintain it without putting our, our own artistic style into the tree and changing it over time. We have to put ourselves into the mindset of over 50-plus artists. So that alone can be quite exhausting at the end of the day. Yeah. <clears throat> so if, mm. if, if we weren't recording this and lots of people weren't going to hear this, what would you really like to do with those trees? <laughs> Challenging question. Challenging question. You know, I <laughs> sat on a panel yesterday where I got absolutely machine guns. Just like in front of Mr. Kobayashi, oh, like, what yeah. do you think about his change of style? Oh, like, oh my gosh, yeah. what are you talking yeah. about? It's <laughs> funny. That. As soon as you said that, was that was the first thing that came yeah. to my mind. <laughs> just like, oh Loved my God. You handled it so well. You oh, said, dude, it was good. That was, that was super yeah. gnarly. Uh, it was super gnarly. No, I, I, I'm I'm not trying to put you guys on the spot or like, you know, I, I'm sure it's a very, it's obviously a very precarious situation to represent the Australian, uh, uh, the Australian community on a national level. And I understand the diplomacy that it, it I, I can't imagine, but I understand the diplomacy that it takes. But, but it is a big question. This is a question that haunts the national collection in dc it's a big conversation at the golden state collections in southern california and northern california and this uh the central valley i think it's what makes the pacific bonsai museum unique that they don't necessarily um have that obligation it was a collection set up that intentionally notified Mm. people i believe i don't want to speak out of turn but i believe that when people donated they were made aware that that they were relinquishing their Mm. right to a say in the aesthetic of that tree. Mm. And it, and honestly, when I look at the health of all of the public collections in North America, um, the Pacific Bonsai Museum with the freedom to continue evolving those trees without any catches or hangups is, is by far and away easily the most uh, uh, prominent. And I think um, um, significant collection to be moving bonsai history forward as a facility. And I think it's just because they recognize that you can't maintain and hold a tree where it's at, and therefore it must be evolved. So, you know, have, having laid out that context for you, I, I, I am curious yeah. because it se- sounds so, like it's something that you guys are wrestling with. Yeah, look, I guess, you know, from, from, from my point of view, and I'm sure Sam will agree with me, uh, our intent as, as curators and to, to a large extent, in the bigger picture, you know, a, a fraction of the, the, the time that the tree is hopefully going to survive for is to do 
the best for the tree. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we're not going to touch a tree to take it backwards. We want to, every time we touch the tree, we want to move it forward and, and make it better and, and, you know, have some kind of progression so that the tree evolves in a positive ma manner. Mm -hmm. And my personal favorite video of yours is actually the, your work on the cedar. Uh, uh, the Blue Atlas. The Blue Atlas. Uh, uh, that was, where was that from again? The Pacific, from the Pacific Bonsai Museum. Yeah. yeah. And just talking about the iterations that you have uh -huh. done on it. Yeah. Um, and the difficulty that the curator faces with, with those changes. Yeah. Um, but I love your talk on that. And, oh, thank you. And, and yeah, kind of talking about, you know, where the tree is going to be led yeah. next. And, and they are just, they're, they're subtle differences but it's just adding to that to the age of that tree and really showing the scars over mm -hmm. over time and ex really expressing the beauty yeah. of the tree. Yeah. Um, and to the betterment of the tree as well. Well, and what a um, I think that mm. a, 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 the the role of cu a curator in the bonsai world is a, a highly misunderstood and absolutely significantly underappreciated role. Because, um, I mean, it's, it's very, as a bonsai professional, you know, the freedom that I'm afforded in my own facility and with my client trees who come to me sort of with, they're asking me to do the work. They're asking for my impression on the piece. That, that's the best place for me to be because I don't have to ask anybody except for they just need to be happy with what happens, right? But, but as a curator, you are a historian of sorts, you're a documentarian of sorts, and you're also, without being an artist, it would almost be impossible to be a bonsai curator because you have to be able to continue mm -hmm. to make aesthetic decisions on something that's not sitting neutral in its production of growth. And to consider in all of your, like you said, you have to have 50 artists' thought processes in your heads when you guys are working on those trees at the end of the day, it still does come down to you guys still have to make decisions. And how does that work? What does that look like to, to, to have a tree in front of you and have to make an aesthetic decision? Uh, certainly a challenge, uh, a challenge that's made a little bit easier from a collaborative approach. Uh, so Sam and I work closely together on any decisions like that. And we do bring, we have a, uh, you know, a brain's trust of senior volunteers that if we were struggling with a decision, um, you know, the, these volunteers have got 40 plus years of bonsai experience themselves mm. uh, that we can bring into the conversation. Um, aside from that, you know, if it were something outside of uh, what would be deemed a subtle or a slight change, mm -hmm. then I'd probably have to resort to uh, dispersing the uh, the decision into you know committees and things like that. Right. Um, recently, we we had a conversation about some trees that were donated to us in the very early days that were not necessarily donated to us for the purpose of a permanent collection. Mm. Uh, and in, in order to bring the deaccession conversation up with them, I had to um, basically outline the entire story um, and detail all of the information about the original artist, 
um, the documentation uh, that was originally signed, um, also the intent that we had and the efforts that we have put in over the last 10 years to try and bring these trees up to a displayable standard and then allowed my committee to make that decision rather than uh, either <coughs> Sam or I to do that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Open communication. So important. Um, one example, um, we've got a brilliant tree um, that's on loan by fabulous artist in Melbourne, Scott Martin. So shout out to Scott. Um, he's got a black pine at the collection and, um, you know, we've got it for what, 18 months. Is this um, the, is this the one that was part of was, the critique yesterday? This, no, no, oh, okay. um, no, that was one don- uh, donated by John Cross. Okay. Um, this one was in a kind of like a rocks. Sure. Yeah. Um, it actually it, won the inaugural NBPCA yes. oh, yeah. AABC, uh, award. Well done, Scott. The one that, we, that <laughs> Sam and I... We love Every it. AABC convention from now on, Sam and I will pick our favourite and, and Scott won it with the black yeah. pine. Fantastic. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, any, yeah. So, well done, Scott. Um, so, if I didn't address uh, some, there were some branches that would need to be cut. Um, if they weren't addressed later on, we'll probably end up with some, some structural problems. Right. So, I called Scott, said, Scott, this, 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 and this branch. I'd send some photos to him. What do you think? And he just gave me the go ahead. Um, and he actually came and saw the tree and he, he loved it. So, mm-hmm. um, he's got a lot of confidence in, in my work and Lee's work. Um, but yeah, just that open communication, I think. Yeah. Have you guys ever proposed something to somebody who's donated a tree and then, uh, not been in favor of that action? Has that ever happened? And I don't need the specific situation. I'm just curious if that's something you experience as well. Yeah, no, look, well, I can't think of a, a time when, when, that, when that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to, to, to lean toward the, the more subtle kind yeah. of changes yeah. without doing anything, anything mm-hmm. drastic just for that underlying yeah. you know, intent to maintain the, the uh, original artist direction. Yeah, like the Black Pine by John Cross that was that was in the critique yeah. um, and the Sawara Cypress I'd been chipping away at for yeah. two years and just um, so doing some subtle changes um, to the tree just to um, showcase its beauty. Um, I think you were talking about the Sawara Cypress as well. Yeah. What did you think of the Yeah, the tree? I, well, yeah, I mean, I picked, special I, tree. I, I picked the Sawara Cypress to talk about because yeah. I, it, it just it's such a stunning, powerful yeah. piece in the collection. And it, it's a Koroshoff mm. tree. You know, so like, I mean, that the, a Koroshoff tree in Australia is the equivalent of a John Naka tree in the United States. I mean, this is, uh, this is a relic. This is a piece of bonsai history. And to have, it struck me because it had such a uh, natural feeling form to it. You know, I thought it was something other than a Saguaro Cypress, which is what made it even more entertaining to, you know, you start to realize these things and piece it together. And and I could have been wrong in my critique about the fact that a Saguaro Cypress was basically handled in a form that felt very representative of the natural form of a lot of Australian natives. Um, but it certainly, even if it, even if I was incorrect in the intention of the Koroshoffs when they started it or its continued perpetuation as a bonsai, it's still an interesting <clears throat> discussion of the fact that you have a species that doesn't necessarily grow the way that tree is growing. And that's the aesthetic that it's taken yeah. on being under the influence of people in Australia, uh, acting on their concepts of design with that tree. Yeah. 
And it's a stunning, powerful yeah. composition. And yeah, I've been working on that tree for, for two years um, and p I put together a little time lapse. It was only a few months ago of just those subtle changes over, over time. Um, and what did, how long has it been at the collection for now, Lee? It got donated. I think we got it 2015. 2015, mm. yeah. And it was a beautiful tree. It had, you know, it had great bones and beautiful bark. It's it got great bones. Really, like it's been in a pot since 1937. Yes. Like, it's so, so awesome. special, you know. I was that getting, is awesome. I get, I get shivers. Ooh. I get shivers like yeah. working on it. Um, so to so to see those changes over t over time, even though it's been two years, like I showed you a photo of it yeah. two years ago, um, and to see where it's at now, it's out the front, it's on display. Um, so that's been my goal to get some trees that have been sitting out the back, um, out on display, yeah, and give them that liquor. I call it just the liquor paint. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> and that's the all they need. The They're great trees. Touches, yeah, yeah. Little, that's what, that's what I, that's my, what I personally love to do. Mm. Yeah. And I get a kick Sam's out of that. done that. He's, we, we had a, a, a large part of the collection that was remaining. <clears throat> well, I wouldn't, I don't, for want of a better word, remaining a little bit stagnant out the back uh -huh. um, because they, we just didn't have uh, the, proficiency to to work the trees to their full extent um once sam came aboard we now have that and trees that that, that had been sitting out back for for you know three or four years are, are now going on display mm. you know that's that's a pretty big um that's a pretty big statement sam of your skill set that you were able to go to Japan for three months and come back and have such a prominent impact on the national collection and be able to, you know, if I look at like my third month in Japan, I, mm. I, I would have been worthless, yeah. you know, and, and there are that you do see the, the right personality and the right system and, um, and just sort of people who can digest the information that they get in Japan and, and have an impact with it. And it's kudos to you, man. Oh, thanks. Steve. Kudos to you. That's very cool. Thank you. Yeah. I, I learned so much from Lee as yeah. well. Um, yeah. I didn't learn it all in Japan. Um, I learned uh, it's really just a feeling like sometimes you got it. Sometimes you just mm -hmm. don't, you might go to Japan for three months or, or five years and you come back and, and it's just gone out through one ear and, Yep. Go through one ear and out through the next. Um, yeah. But yeah, every time, yeah, I'm working on the tree, it, it just it just it just seems to click. Yeah, yeah, something seems to click. Sometimes it's hard for me to um, put it into words on on how I work on the tree. It's kind of like just a just a feeling, mm -hmm. and, and I'm really quiet. Um, I'm not really. I'm unable sometimes to explain what it is I'm doing. Sure. Yeah. And mm. what, what was it like? Um, what was it like being on stage with Mr. Kobayashi last night when you're demonstrating in front of, you know, the Australian bonsai community? How was that? That was special. Was that it? was that was literally the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> it was awesome. That's cool. Um, I can understand yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I had, it was great. I had similar feelings <clears throat> when when you Ryan and and Mr. Kobayashi just simply arrived. Yeah, at, really? at the collection yeah. it was like you know i was getting emotional mm. thinking that this is a real major thing in in you know what i'm trying to do yeah. with with 
with the collection, you know, I'm married to the collection, you know, yeah, you can understand yeah, that. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the, the trees of my babies, you know, and I, uh, that's all I think about, you know, even yeah. when I'm, when I'm at home. So f for me to have this, you know, to be, to be able to put on an event that so many people, uh, came and experienced and we saw the smiles on the faces. Yeah. It's a, it's a massive, yeah. massive thing for me. So I can understand the, the feeling that you got, yeah. Sam, for, for, for being able to work alongside Mr. Kobayashi. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very cool. It was cool to go from that, you know, working under him for, even though it was a short amount of time, but, um, there are a lot, there were a lot of students that, that came and went, mm -hmm. um, from there, but I had a really strong connection with, with him and his family as well. Mm -hmm. Um, he does, he's had over a hundred students that have come and gone. Yeah. Um, but some of them he keeps close, um, like Peter Warren yeah. keeps, keeps really close to Peter. Um, and myself, like I do video chats with them, you know, every couple of weeks and talk to Jin, who's the curator there. Right. Um, and to go from that position of me not knowing what I wanted to do with my life over, you know, and coming back from Japan, finishing off my degree a bit. And now in the position that I'm in now, and we've invited Mr. Kobayashi over and his wife. Yeah. Like, that was a really surreal moment. And I, yeah, I'm kind of lost for words. Very cool, <laughs> yeah. man. Wow, yeah. very, very cool. That's that's really um, <clears throat> no, that that makes yeah. this event all the yeah. more um, powerful. I mm. mean, it's hard to know. Being a bonsai professional, you have no idea the significance of the of the things that you get to partake in, yeah. and uh, and it's always a little more special when you understand what's on the line and stuff. Yeah. So it's that, and, that that's a real pleasure. I feel very honored to and, be a part of it. Yeah, and up on stage, we didn't even talk to each other. Yeah, at all. It's was like it's synergy. Like, it's a yeah, that's it. It's got a that, dance. Got that synergy. Kiku buddy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Kiku buddy this. <laughs> that's awesome. Kiku buddy. Yeah. For it was interesting, you know, because yeah. my relationship with Mr. Kobayashi is an mm. interesting one. Obviously, mm. I, I apprentice apprentice myself to Mr. Kimura. And Mr. Kimura and Mr. Kobayashi, uh, very cordial and professional with each other, but mm. obviously I think those two used each other to motivate themselves yeah. to be better. Yeah. It, it was a, I think a very positive rivalry for the quality of bonsai in Japan, particularly when the Sakafu exhibition was just the creme de la creme mm. because the Kokufu exhibition is what everybody knows of now. But for a long time, the Sakafu exhibition, the creator's exhibition was what the bonsai community really waited for mm. to see cutting edge compositions that were created by the professionals owned by the professionals and displayed as a representation of the professionals. And mm. that's really where the sort of Mr. Kimura, Mr. Kobayashi rivalry yeah. came to fruition was in the, in the creator's exhibition, the Sakafu. Yeah. And so it was always, it was always, you know, Peter and I were obviously very good friends from almost the first month that I was an apprentice in yeah. Japan, but we had to keep our friendship <laughs> yeah. secret. It felt like we were like lovers or something. <laughs> now he comes be, over to your place. Like, every yeah, day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it really yeah, was. We're like, out of Japan now. Like. Just, just, we, there was no discussion. I had to yeah. act like I didn't know who Peter Warren yeah. was, you know, on the occasion that it would come up. It was, it was, yeah. pretty, it was pretty interesting. We've actually got Peter at the end of the year. Oh, so, good. Yeah, he's yeah. coming yeah. out in November. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. yeah, Peter's a gem. He's one of a kind. I love that guy. Um, and so I'm curious if you guys have a favorite tree in the collection. That's, a, that's, 
an interesting question. I, everybody asks me this when they come to Mariah. I, I freaking hate you, this question, you, but now I'm here and I get to do it to you. So yeah, there you look, go. It, when when I be, when I started the collection 2010, if you had come to me then and asked me if I had a favorite, I would have quite easily pointed you know one or two that that were certainly my favorite trees, mm -hmm. and I would have pointed out at others that I didn't like. Yep, uh, I've evolved. Um, <laughs> My, my mindset has changed enormously over that period of time mm -hmm. in that, you know, I, I, I obviously prior to being involved with the National Collection had my own style, mm -hmm. um, you know, had my own way of, uh, you know, doing things and didn't necessarily like the way that other people did things. Um, being in the role that I have, I've learnt to appreciate trees for what they are and the stories that are behind them. So yeah. every tree that comes into the collection, we, we ask the artist for, you know, a couple of paragraphs about it and you can see the, the passion and, 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 and the years and the history in the tree. Mm -hmm. um, so you can't judge a tree just simply by looking at it, from my opinion. Mm. You, you you must look at a tree and then see not only the artist but you know their intent um their 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 history the their journey with that tree yeah and because of that i love all of them and and are are people that come and see the national collection is there any way for them to obtain that context behind a tree at this point in time the only way to do that is to engage with either staff or volunteers yeah. to get that story yeah simply because we haven't come up with a solution that enables us to accommodate so many visitors yeah um it's something we're working on mm. and um you know whether it be through you know some qr codes or something so that people could you know uh, scan it to uh, bring up a story on their smartphone mm. Um, when we, when we were at Commonwealth Park, we had a comprehensive catalog that each visitor was greeted at the door and, and could take that catalog around and view each tree and read the story. Mm -hmm. But we only had 10 visitors a day. <laughs> that's an easy, that's an easy one. The QR code mm. and the, uh, and the ability to use technology seems to me in the world of bonsai and museum curation at this point in time seems to be a necessity because the story behind the tree adds so much to it. Absolutely. I mean, it really, really is a, a massive part of the ability to appreciate. And I mean, when you go to, when you go to an art gallery, a lot of times there's no context to a piece being sold, right? And, and the person, it strikes you, you know, maybe you know the artist, maybe you're going there to specifically see it, but there's not really a lot of context. But a museum, a museum is all about the context, yeah. right? The historical significance, the, the personal mm -hmm. significance, the story of that composition. And it, it is something that um, would definitely enrich a collection's experience. And I, I don't know of a collection that has that yet. And I, I, I would really look forward to that if you guys could do it. Because, I mean, every tree's got a story, right? Yeah. Every tree's got a story. And, you know, now that you're saying that to me, it, you know, I reflect upon, I, I do a lot of guided tours for, for, for groups and individuals. And um, 
you know, already I've I've spoken to you about some of the the Panjing stories, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I love to share those because you can see that people are so engaged when you when you talk about it, and it opens up an entirely different kind of appreciation for what they're looking at oh, prior yeah. to that they had no idea what they're looking at oh yeah and just to tell a story in fact to a point where i've actually had some people at the end come back to me a little bit emotional mm-hmm. yeah. um you know with the little bit of welling up in the eyes it must have you know touched them in one way that brought back a memory or something like that and that's 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 the true beauty of it and they're never going to forget that yeah no. And bonsai is forever etched in their mind at that point. You won. Yes. (laughs) As as museum curators, you guys won at that moment. I mean, when you, when you take on a curatorship like this and you said it, Lee, you said basically, I mean, you're, you are forever sort of these trees. You're, you're attached to this collection. I mean, at some point, someday you'll probably retire from the, being the curator of the national collection, but but it would there's never going to be a disconnection from the role that you've played in it, particularly the the significance of the role you've played in it. What what is that like to not own these trees, but to be so closely connected with them? What what is that like? I have no comprehension of that experience with bonsai. Ah, I mean, as an apprentice, yeah. I guess I did, but even <laughs> then, it was a little different. Yeah, look, uh, it's something that that I've uh, I've not necessarily struggled with, mm-hmm. um, but it's been been a challenge for me. So, you know, there was a, a fair amount of anxiety about getting the role, and you know, for me, it was a mass massive challenge. Mm. Simply, or largely, because of the expectation that I perceived from the from the from the bonsai community. So to a lot of people within the bonsai community, it's the most important role in bonsai in Australia. <clears throat> and the expectation of, um, you know, maintaining the, the collection put a, a huge amount of pressure on me. Um, so in coming back to, to, to your question, uh, it was, I guess, not necessarily a challenge, but something that needed to take time to grow and I could... In order to do it properly, mm-hmm. I needed to grow with the trees. Mm-hmm. And um, how am I? I'm, I'm trying to put this uh, in, into context for you to understand. It's not something that happened overnight. Yeah. Um, You've it, forged a relationship absolutely, more yeah. than like, I'm a curator now. We're forever co-linked. Yes, it's, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's been built. Exactly. And Sam, do you feel that too? I mean, I do you feel that. that same connection? And oh, definitely. I've got less than thirty trees at home. Lee has how many? Ten, ten, ten trees. And then together we can add one hundred and twenty, <laughs> just <laughs> on top of that. They, they might, they might as well yeah. be yours. Yeah, yeah, I go home and and I'm still thinking about the trees. Thinking, mm-hmm. Okay, yes, they've been watered. Yeah, cool. Now I can brush my teeth and go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's 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 our it's it's our job, but it still doesn't feel like work. So we love it. From where you guys have mm. come from, and and how much uh, Lee, I saw a, uh, a post that you made on on Facebook quite a while back. 
And it was a post that basically said, you know, for, for, for somebody that wasn't supposed to know much about this and, and, and for somebody that wasn't supposed to be able to do this very well, we're not doing too bad was basically the context of it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, the, the general impression that I get when I speak with David and I speak with Hugh and I speak with other members of the Australian bonsai community being in, in Melbourne in May, the national collection is becoming a very central pillar of Australian bonsai culture. And it seems like the community is leaning on it and really uh, supporting it and feeling, I think, bolstered by the quality of it. And as far as you guys have come and, and, and where you're at now, where do you want it to go? Because it's, I mean, already it's, it's been wildly successful. It is wildly successful. And on a world scale, it's amazing to get to come see a representation of Australian bonsai, the history of the species and a facility that does justice to the trees. But where do you want to go from here? Yeah, look, that's a good question because there, there are many facets to the collection that I, that I aspire it to be. Um, we spoke about international recognition. Uh, that's, that's high on my agenda. And, you know, I think I'm kicking some goals there. Um, we, we have, you know, both Sam and I have, uh, you know, contact with a lot of people who want to be involved, uh, from around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, I need to, to nurture what we're doing here in Australia as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to, to a large extent, my vision is to be Australia's centre of excellence for bonsai so that when people, you know, think of the best bonsai in Australia, they're going to think of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want the best bonsai artists to think of us as the place to come and share, to come and learn, to come and be involved in bonsai. Um, you know, it's almost like mm-hmm. Australia's <coughs> little mecca yeah. of, of yeah. bonsai. That's yeah. that's where I want to be. Nice. Yeah, like I received pots from five potters all over Australia to my house that were donated to the collection for the auction for last night's event. Awesome. I bought pots from Tracy who drove them, drove them up from Melbourne. She mm-hmm. bought some trees along from my mum's house who lives in Melbourne as well. I bought soil from Hugh. I bought uh, native flora from Simon. Um, I've bought trees and helped out with other people's collections and, and but just helping the community and make, making that community even tighter. Mm-hmm. And also with the power of social media, it's, yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm assuming that you and and Lee probably echo the international the presence of an international awareness of the collection. But do you have your own personal hopes and and aspirations or directions you'd want to see the collection go? I I'm pretty much on board with Lee. Mm-hmm. Lee Lee and I share a very similar vision um, with how we would love the collection to go there are like what you're saying Lee this yeah many different facets many different ways and yeah we can we can grow um but we pick on little things and and we also get advice from people from the bonsai community as well like where where do you see this going and mm-hmm. we and we ask them it's that communication when Sam 
came on board with us a couple of years ago, the, the we we had a word that we used all the time. It was collaboration, oh. and it, <laughs> you know, everything we spoke about was, you know, we 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 got to be a team. We got to do this together. So you know, everything that I talk about, um, you know, about or sorry, everything that I think about, you know, as, as a vision for for the collection, how we're moving, how we're dealing with everything. It's a conversation that I have with Sam on a daily basis. So, you know, I, I get feedback from him. You know, if we've got an issue, we, we come up with a solution together. Mm. So it, it's like, you know, we, we we have to be a team that works together, that we're moving in the same direction. And otherwise, it's just not going to work. Yeah. 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 I'm almost uh, just sitting here talking with you guys. And I used to, I used to see this happen with um, Aaron Packard and Jack Sustick when Jack was the curator at the National Collection and Aaron Aaron was his assistant curator because Aaron and I had had spent some time together and worked together very minimally when when he was still uh, an assistant curator at the National Collection. And, and their relationship was always, it struck me as a very, it would be the Western version of a master-apprentice relationship from the perspective of the, the collaboration for the sake of the trees. It's as close as I can see it coming to the Western world of that dynamic in the Japanese bonsai world, which is very cool. And it's interesting sitting here and, and talking with you both and understanding that this collection is the centrifuge that unites you guys. But to, in order for it to work, you really have to be on the same page constantly with the same goals in mind and working together to achieve that. And that's a lot of trust to put into each other. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I can't, I can't say... You know, with with any more emphasis that we 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 must work together mm-hmm. in order for, for for it to happen. You know, in order for the collection to be successful, we both need to be on the same page. And you know, to tell you the truth, mm-hmm. I, I I would trust Sam with 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 anything. So that trust is really important, and he, he he's I'm sure the same way back. Um, we're very open and honest, and we need to be because. Yeah. If if we're not, then uh, the trees are gonna gonna yeah. suffer, or the relationship with stakeholders is gonna yeah. suffer, and and these things ultimately yeah. are gonna be uh, gonna be a test on us. It's not it's not like we work well. We our hours are Monday to Friday, but you know we hang out after work. Like Lee comes over to my house, and oh, I'll, that's I might fret over repotting a tree, and I'll say, "Come, Lee, come and <laughs> come nice. and help me out." Um, and we'll just come over and have a beer and and hang out. Very it's cool. funny. Wow. We, yeah, th- there's a there's a significant tree in Canberra that Sam owns now. <gasps> it has a huge amount of provenance and has been um, been passed from one significant artist to the next. And in fact, the last owner was uh, was Grant Bowie, who we spoke of earlier. Mm-hmm. I used to own it, and Sam said, "You better come around because I need to repot it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing." Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just that reassurance. Just the just just need that Lee tick. <laughs> <laughs> it came out brilliant. He's he's got a new pot for it, okay. and um, it's actually looking better than it than it ever has and you know a testament to to the recent styling and and work that you've put in over the last year or so 
I mean, what's it what's it like too now seeing the rise of of the Australian ceramicists and being a national collection where the community really does back you guys? I mean, uh, is that gonna be something that that is is brought on more in the trees? Because as I walk through it, I do see some some native Australian pots, but I see a lot of uh, imported pots that the trees sit in. And with that difficulty in making those shifts. Would making the shift to, since Australian ceramicists are upping their level and there is work like what Tracy and Marumbung, 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 they gave me a whole lot of shit yesterday about well, my how pronunciation. Did you say it? How did you pronounce it? correctly okay. is okay. all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, is that something that'll start to be a change that can be made yeah. and you think would enhance the collection or is the mm-hmm. imported the ceramics that the trees are in a part of the story that you want to maintain, what does that look like? Yeah, it's look, it's, it's a conversation that we've had just recently mm-hmm. and uh, a direction that we do want to take the, the collection in. We want to represent the art of bonsai and penjing as it is in Australia, then we should be having Australian made pots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we, you, you uh, no doubt had conversations about, the the uh, the rising of Australian ceramicists in recent years, um, and you know that's had an impa- impact on us. Both <coughs> both Sam and I, you know, Sam is passionate about uh, Australian pottery, and uh, as, as I am, mm-hmm. we now just have been uh, approved from our uh, collection advisory committee who I guess controls the uh, the purse strings of the the bonsai trust fund to to use some of that money to to get a representation of Australian potters into our collection cool mm. very very cool very cool and how do you how do you pick the trees that are gonna be the candidates for those ceramics what is that what is that is that a significant process or is that something that people are willing to take on with with little little to no resistance? We do uh, have a collection advisory committee that we run all of our concepts by. Mm-hmm. Um, so How many people are on that committee? Um, five people. Five people. Five people. Um, bonsai so practitioners in, bonsai in Australia? Bonsai practitioners from all different walks. Cool. Um, yeah. We've got now one potter that we'll be doing a commission mm-hmm. work for. Um, so drawings are being made going back to the collection the collection advisory committee and then working again with that artist the potter mm-hmm. um, to draw up some concepts yeah awesome so a lot of back and forth yeah <sighs> very very cool yeah. very cool mm-hmm. um, and if if people wanted to see the national collection and they can't make it to Australia. Do you guys have a presence that would enable them to social media website? How would people find the Australian national collection online? Yeah. Interesting question because we're working on something that. I wonder if I could talk early days. (laughs) I'd wonder if it's a little bit of a sneak preview. Just give them them a taste. Um, We do have a, (laughs) a, 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 uh, (laughs) we've got a, we got a website, uh, National Arboretum website. Uh, So that, what what would that be? Uh, www.nationalarboretumcanberra.act.gov.au. There is a virtual tour um, available through a link on that webpage. Okay. 
um, but it's a static one uh, and it's a little bit old. Okay. So a lot of the trees uh, in the permanent collection would have changed over that time and, of course, the lone trees at that point in time most likely wouldn't be here either. Mm. Um, something that we're uh, banding about and hopefully uh, we'll be able to to do in the future is to use uh, a bit of virtual reality yeah. and, you know, develop something that you could put your, your VR goggles on and actually, you know, physically walk tree. through the collection. Yes. Uh, that's something we'd love to do and be able to share. This is the future, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt, particularly for a public collection. Yeah. That's amazing. And wow. Has, have, have you heard of that concept? Has, has that been done in any other collections? Uh, I, I don't know any bonsai collections okay, where cool. that's been done. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's possible other people are playing with VR too, yeah. right? Oh, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's I the future, obviously. Yeah. There's there's a lot of potential yeah. there, and I think I would think for somebody to be able to 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 connect people to it, for somebody to be in North America to hear this and be able to take a walk through the collection. I mean, what what and and, mm-hmm. and it's never going to replace the tangible experience of being there in person mm-hmm. and feeling the sun and, and and the wind on that knoll you know when you step out of the walls and you seek the shelter in the walls and you know it's all of that stuff is still mm-hmm. going to be it's not like it replaces it but what a way for people to be able to engage i hope that i hope that you guys are able to make that happen and do you have a social media presence yeah, we have uh, Facebook for the National Bonsai and Penjin Collection of Australia. Okay. The National Arboretum Canberra has a Facebook page. Okay. And we have Instagram for National Arboretum Canberra. You do? Yeah. Very cool. Any hashtags that people could check out if they wanted to see the National Collection Trees? Uh, hashtag National Arboretum Canberra or hashtag NBPCA. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Sam and Lee, it's really been uh, truly an honor and a pleasure to be here for this event. And I, I can't thank you both enough for um, extending the opportunity for me to be a part of it. And uh, I'm, I'm absolutely impressed with what you guys are doing. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and I think I've said it a number of times, but Australian bonsai, for whatever reason, I see what you guys are doing and, uh, and it motivates me to try and be better at what I'm doing. So uh, there's a synergy that exists between our bonsai communities and and uh, I wish you guys nothing but the best and I'm excited to get to, to kind of bear witness to the evolution of the art form in, in your country. So thank you very much. Thank Thanks. You. We really Thanks. appreciate the feedback. Yeah, is, that's uh, great. That's wonderful. We, it uh, puts a big smile on our face. Good. Thanks Good. so much. Keep up the hard work. Thanks, Thanks Ryan. Right. Awesome.